This is the Bushwick Variety Show, and I'm Alex Stevens III. Greetings, neighbors, friends, citizens of the world, and conscious beings of all various types. Thank you so much for listening to the Bushwick Variety Show. This is episode number 32. This episode, I talk with John Gorman, founder and owner of Haven Cycles, an excellent bike shop here in Bushwick, Brooklyn. Um, I started riding my bike more uh, about a year ago, year and a half ago, and it's been my go-to spot. Uh, Just an awesome shop, awesome neighborhood shop. If you want to get into biking and you live in the Bushwick area, I highly recommend it. Um, There's great biking culture in New York. There's more bike lanes every day. Um, Hopefully they'll make more floating bike lanes to protect the bikers from the cars and just makes it better for everybody, more like how they have it in Amsterdam, um, which is one of the best biking spots in the world. One of the best cities in the world also. I'm partial to it. If you follow me, you may know that. Um, So anyway, yeah, there's conversations with John Gorman from Haven Cycles. Uh, It was recorded in my studio in the Rack Shack, a all-inclusive bra store here in Bushwick, Brooklyn, owned and operated by my wife, Laura, who's from Amsterdam, Um, hence why I've been there a number of times and why I love Amsterdam so much. Um, But it's just an awesome spot. But anyway, this is John Gorman, Haven Cycles. Let's have a conversation. So how you doing, man? I'm doing pretty good. It's a nice day out. I mean, yeah. Yeah. Day off from the shop. Just running around doing errands. Yeah. It's pretty good. Yeah. Um. So, John, what's your what's your last name? Gorman. Gorman. Yeah. Um. So, tell me about uh, Haven Cycles. Well, um, it's kind of interesting. It kind of just happened. Um. I was doing trying to do my own thing in the bike you know, bike building kind of variety area. I'd worked at shops for a long time. I worked as a messenger at the time and I had kind of like a home apartment, uh, shop. And so I'd fix bikes, flip them on Craigslist. Um, that's also kind of how I got into bikes. I used to do that when I was in school and stuff for like extra cash over the summers. And I don't know. I just like I like that you can fix bikes. A lot of things that people interact with on a daily basis is like is a high barrier to entry in order to fix it. Like a lot of electronics and things like that that are more modern or smaller, more complicated. It's just, you know, it's not the kind of thing that people can look at and be like, I understand how this works, that I can hypothetically fix this. So I like that about bikes. It's easy to teach people how to fix bikes. It makes them more mechanically like apt and then that translates to a lot of other things so that's a good like entry point for that so i like that part of it too and i also really like that bikes are in every part of society basically you know like rich people ride bikes like high nice high-end road bikes and then you got like the random drunk dude who can't like get a license anymore so he rides his bike it's like a very like across the board thing that people can share and interact with. And I've always really appreciated that. And that's one reason I like bike shops also Mm -hmm. is because it's a cool, like it's a cool place where people interact, you know, everyone's there for a similar reason, but everyone's super different. Like no matter what shop you go into, that's pretty much the case. Um, so I always like bike shops and was kind of doing the thing on my own, was really interested in building wheels and was trying to do that on my own also. And then 
a shop that I had previously worked at, um, I got word that they were, um, they were first considering opening two locations and the owner approached me and was like, do you want to manage one of the locations? And I'd worked for him several years before and I was definitely not interested in working for him ever again. So I was like, no, I'm sorry, dude, no. And then a couple months later, I got word that they were just going to leave the spot, the, you know, their original location because they had to move and they had a lease active and all this other stuff. And I kind of just went to him and I was like, listen, I'll make you a deal right now. And you just like sign, you know, sublet the space to me and then we'll go from there. Um, so we did that and we started the shop and that happened like, that was like a Thursday night and we opened the shop on like Saturday. So it was like super quick. And I had all the tools. That was the thing. Like we couldn't have done it without that. Um, I borrowed a little money from a friend of mine and had some savings, um, and had a good friend who was really into bikes and she had just graduated from school. And I was like, Hey, like, I want you to be the manager. Like, let's do this. Like, I need help. I trust you. Let's do this. So we just kind of opened the shop, just the two of us. And then friends of ours who I knew from like messaging, et cetera, um, shop life, like came in and helped out. And we had a lot of friends of ours who were like artists and stuff who came and helped us, you know, paint and do whatever they could really in the shops. I liked that. It was really fun. It was a really hectic time, but it was also like really fun to get something off the ground like that. It was cool. That first uh, location, was that the one on Knickerbocker? Yeah, on Knickerbocker and Flushing on the corner there. So that was cool, and I I always loved that space. You know, as a shop before, honestly, I worked at a shop there before, and I always saw a lot of potential that wasn't happening at that spot, and I knew that it could because it just is a really – it's a good spot. It's one of the good spots in in the city for a bike shop. And also the the open door thing was cool. I really liked that idea and that vibe. Um, so yeah, it was good. The problem really was, you know, classic Brooklyn issue was like lease Yeah, was always up in the air and the management was just like, it's always going to be up in the air. Like, just trust us. And I was like, I don't like that answer basically. Mm-hmm. Um, so it was something on the back of my mind and then we, we actually moved now. So, um, that's been really good. It was a huge stressful thing. Cause basically, you know, we started the business, had a good amount of time. We were like, okay, things are getting under control. No problem. No problem. And then like. Basically, someone cold called us, and the owner of this building was like, hey, like, I kind of want a bike shop. And I was like, why? <laughs> um, but he just was like, he, into the idea. He owns a bunch of residential buildings. He thought it was a good move. Um, and he offered us like a very long lease. So that was kind of, I know that that's, yeah, watching and- bike shops and businesses in this you know, neighborhood mm-hmm. in New York in general, that's always the killer, is not having that, like, I know I'm going to be here in four years thing. Right. So... To me, it was worth it to make the move. Obviously, moving is like a really huge pain in the ass. I don't really recommend it to anybody who owns a business. It's like a huge problem. But at the same time, like the space was better once we can get it, you know, settled and built into. It was the kind of place where we could like invest and build. Because the other place, it was on a year to year situation. Right. Like if so I, you don't want to put money. Right. Into if I drop $4,000 to renovate and then all of a sudden our lease comes up, it's like, damn. I've seen know, that happen with uh, bars um, yeah. where they did a whole build out and didn't have a lease and then got royally screwed. Right. Exactly. Like 400% increase. It's almost like they know they have you too because mm-hmm. they watch you get comfy and they're like, oh, you're doing good. Like, all right, we're going to up the money. And it's like, okay. Yeah. Like, I get, you know, I get making a buck, but I just feel like people really should be a little bit more concerned about the quality and the type of like business that's interacting with their property if they're able to. I agree. So honestly, um, 
yeah, I'm, I actually feel pretty lucky to have like a pretty reasonable, good landlord. He grew up in the neighborhood across the street from the shop. It's like, I respect that. I respect the hustle. You know, he like buys buildings and stuff. I'm not super into landlords as a general group right. of people, but at the same time, I'm like, you're pretty honest. And he's just like really upfront and honest kind of person. So me and Laura have been, um, had, had an interesting time both with our our home and then also with like the store and stuff but like with our home um yeah it's an interesting thing where if if the landlords do like you sometimes um and especially if they've been around for a while then sometimes they will work with you because totally they do like they they would prefer to deal with the devil they know versus some random all person. other shit. Yeah. yeah. So, um, and landlords got stories too, especially yeah. while supers and landlords. I talked to a lot of people like that and it's just like, they got horror stories about tenants too. So it goes both ways, but you know, yeah. Yeah. Um, I know for me, like I, I knew some of the people at, um, some of the, have there been a few different bike shops in the, um, Flushing Knickerbocker? Well, it's, it's kind of interesting. I think that what happened was it started off as a, they originally called it the North Brooklyn Collective. Mm -hmm. um, and I think that their idea was more broad. You know, a lot of people do that, obviously. So like some art related situation. Um, one of the original like owners, founders is uh, this guy, Chris Martin, who's really into skate scene and skate photographer, et cetera. Um, so he was trying to make that a big part of it. And I think from what I could tell or from what I heard, um, I worked there a little later on, but I think that they kind of had just settled into bikes. So, Got you. Right. So it went through some iterations and then kind of like resolved itself on bikes because that was what was well, working for them. Well, that was, I think, an interesting thing for me. Um, I knew some of them, like my friend Yorley works there. Yeah, and, totally. Um, but at the time, I wasn't really biking and like I didn't really bike in New York for whatever reason because I'm from Seattle originally and mm -hmm. I wasn't always biking in Seattle. Have you been out there? I've never been to Seattle but I actually have some friends who recently moved there and they're like you should come check this out. It's and there is a lot of bike culture. You yeah. need a mountain bike though yeah, because totally. of the hills like legit uh, Seattle's built on seven hills is the history of it. Um, downtown actually was the seventh hill and they um, imploded part of it. Damn. It was <laughs> Denny Hill and they imploded it so now there's the Denny regrade. But other than that, yeah, there's seven hills and most likely, like also if you go downtown, like going downtown, it's yeah. like a super steep, super steep drop yeah. and then going home is like up. Yeah. Um, <laughs> so it's just hills everywhere. Um, but uh, yeah, my time in New York, it was something like I wanted to get a bike early on, but then kind of people would... I'd be like, oh, maybe I'll check out that bike shop. And somebody would be like, oh, no, not talking North. This is like years ago. Yeah, yeah, totally. Um, and then North Brooklyn Collective, I was at the time thinking about it. Um, but the only thing was like, I know, like, I felt like it would depend on who I, like, who was there at, at a given time. Yeah, like, So totally. if Yorley was there, you I would pretty much get that. I would pretty yeah. much want to talk to him. Yeah. Um, and I didn't know, and not to like shit on the other people, but like, I just didn't know. Yeah. You make a connection much. with people. Yeah. Yeah, totally. Um, and Haven, like one, it happened at a time when I stopped bar managing and another actor friend of mine had some like bike messaging work and was like, well, you could come do this. And I'm like, all right. And, um, and then my roommate had a bike that he wasn't using. And so I ended up using that and I put like, yeah. 
pretty much probably a bike's worth into it at this point. Um, yeah. But it's still working now. Like eventually I'll get around to getting another bike. But basically um, having you guys there was like immediately I felt like it was the kind of spot um, that I could trust the quality. And, and I do. Like I've definitely I've had because I work um, I bartend a couple nights in Soho mm-hmm. these days. And also, by the way, I've discovered, um, which I'm sure, you know, all bikers know in New York, like it's, it can be treacherous, like keep your head on a swivel and fucking watch the ground. Oh, totally. Um, I've definitely had a few spills. This shiner on my face is not a, yeah, that's a scar. Um, and, uh, that said though, I so prefer in general biking to get around to anything else. Like totally. Um, it's quicker for me to get to Soho on the bike. Like there's no other quicker way to do it. Like it's quicker than the train or the car. Yeah. Um, but like I've had sometimes things come up where I've had like issues in the city and needed something like fixed there. And there's some good bike shops, but yours, man, like it's just, it's just, it's a really solid shop. Thank you. You know? Yeah. I mean, that was part of the deal too. It's like, I know exactly. I mean, I kind of think what you're talking about is just like it. I don't know. It's hard. It's like the thing you're talking about with Yorley, like, and he's also really chill. I do really like him also as a person. Um, when you find somebody who's chill, who's like, you know, has your back or at least your best interests somewhat in concern, like that's a big deal in general, right? Like that's good for everybody, but like a bike mechanic in New York, you know, like it, it really helps to have somebody you trust basically. And it's one of those unfortunate things where mechanics, like I feel like we, you know, we deal with this and that's fine. But the externality is that like people assume they're going to get ripped off. Mm-hmm. So that's, you know, it just happens like that. And part of the reason is because it's true. You know what yeah. I mean? Like you go to places and I've heard stories from friends. I've seen it happen myself and been like, wow, dude, they charged you that much and they didn't even fix this. Like that's crazy. You know, it's just really unfortunate. So just the idea of like, Hey, let's just be, chill you know what I mean like that's what I want to do I don't really I don't feel like I'm gonna make tons of money doing bike stuff it's not really about that for me it's more just like if I can make a living and do something that is legitimate that I can be like I like this I support this I'm not hurting anybody I'm helping people like I feel like it's kind of hard honestly in today's world to like really pinpoint something like that um, I went to school originally for like you know computer programming and coming out of school being like, oh yeah, you know, people I knew working at like startups and all this kind of stuff. You look at it and you're like, what are they doing though? Like, what's the, yeah. what's your actual output and what are you helping and what are you moving along? You're moving along like a product, an idea, an app or whatever. It's like, is it good for people? You know, there's all these things that people don't think about right? because you're kind of just like a cog, you know, you're a cog in a bigger machine, even a small team. And that's just something that I just didn't feel good about. And yeah. also just like, wasn't feeling that lifestyle of like very, you know, you're not really in the world. You're kind of like in the computer all the time. Yeah. So, um, yeah, that was why I got drawn to bikes. And I think that's another thing, like I was saying, like people all around get drawn to bikes and it also pulls us out of our like techno shell mm-hmm. a lot more, you know, like you're on the subway, everyone's on their phone. You go on, yeah. you know, you sit on the subway now. They got Wi-Fi in the subways now. You just sit there, like everybody yeah. is on their phone or something. And it's always been like that in the subway, but like, 
it's just weird to me. Yeah. It's kind of it like matrixy. It's like everyone's plugged in. Yeah. Like you hard. used to be yeah. disconnected when you were underground. Right. And so like you'd maybe like read a book or, or maybe like talk to somebody. Yeah. Maybe. Yeah. And now it's less of that. Um, yeah. And that's like an in general thing too. But yeah. there is something about biking. It's it connects you to the city. Yeah. Yeah. I always call this like tunnel vision. You see a lot of this with people who move here, move to New York, new to New York. They know how to get from their house to their subway stop. They know how to get from their subway stop to work. Maybe they know a couple things, but they can go years like that. Without I don't really know. I don't know what the hell's in between. Mm-hmm. It's like, yo, like you're saying, you know, get to Soho. Yeah. Not only is it faster, but you also see what's going on. You know yeah. what I mean? You're like, oh damn, like they're ripping up that street over there. Wow. Okay. They're going to do some good development over here. It's good to keep like check on what's happening. Yeah. And you get to see different parts of the city and interact with it. You got to be like, you know, stop somewhere on your way home and yeah. be like, oh, cool. I'm going to, you know, pop into this little place that looks funky or something like that. It's like. I'm also seeing, um, I think de Blasio is behind this because of the whole um, vision zero thing mm-hmm. um, to like reduce to zero um, pedestrian fatalities. Mm-hmm. So one, there have been a bunch of bike lanes put in and two the bike lanes that have been put in, I'm waiting for this to happen on Knickerbocker, but, um, it is happening. I've seen it happen around Brooklyn where they're making more floating bike lanes. Yeah. So move the parked cars over a little bit, put the bike lane in between something else for protection. Yeah. Um, cause that's a game changer. Like a lot of places like around New York and I've seen it just over the past year. Yeah. Like, no, it's true. I mean, it's, the infrastructure thing is crazy. I mean, New York overall, like we were mentioning Seattle, but like for North America, New York's a pretty good bike city. And it's because yeah. biking really lends itself best to old cities that weren't originally designed around cars, obviously. Right. Um, so that's one big benefit of New York. And that's why I think the bike works so well here. Um, and it should be. It's an important idea. It's like, why do we have to depend exclusively on cars and like transit? Like, clearly one of them is about to fail. Like the L train shutdown is really talking. People yeah. are opening up a lot more to the ideas of alternative transportation. It's really clear that cars aren't going to solve and I'm, this. And I'm, so. I've been pretty like on a like in my head, I've just been like, well, I'm just yeah, gonna, like, whatever. I'm yeah, going to keep doing my, sh- exactly. my same, same thing. So bikers are like, that doesn't matter. Everyone else is like, Oh my God, how am I going to get to Soho? It's like, bye bye. You yeah, do that. like I've had people ask me, is it possible to get to Williamsburg from like our shop on DeKalvin <laughs> Irving by bike? I'm like, I couldn't believe what they were at. I was like, what do you mean? Like, is it easy? They're like, no, is it possible? I'm like, of course it's possible. <laughs> yeah. What are you talking about? And it's pretty easy. And it's too. super easy. Yeah. You can be there in 10 minutes. Dude, yeah. No problem. Yeah. Yeah. That's funny. Yeah. I don't know, but it's, you know, it's good for people to question that and to, to kind of look back on it. And yeah, it's still, I think it's going to be a pause. I'm hoping, I mean, for me, obviously just going on a business side. Yeah. We're hoping that people are going to be riding more, going to lead to an increase in business, et cetera, traffic and an increase in the idea of getting interested in cycling. And I think that's really important for people to stop and question. There hasn't been a lot of good, solid reasons to stop and question like the car oriented mentality. And you're saying the bike lanes, like finally people are adding some infrastructure bike lanes. I'm like a little bit, I'm notoriously, yeah, I'm kind of on the fence about it. Everyone, you know, I feel like a lot of people are like, yeah, like they're doing so much bike lanes. It's like, as a cyclist, I think that, you know, what you're saying about Knickerbocker, like they did put a lane there, but um, they may as well have not. To That's be where I'm saying you. that yeah. lane has to be floating because well, people, nobody... no one enforces. That's exactly. honestly the problem is like if you go to like northern Europe, they mm-hmm. have bike lanes and it's like 
everyone knows not to cross the bike lane from a pedestrian standpoint. Yeah. Everyone, you know, they're raised, they're out of the way. It's heavily enforced. If yep. a car were hypothetically to drive onto the bike lane, like that would be an insane ticket. Yep. Right. So here though, it's like everyone parks in the bike lane, like going down Knickerbocker for instance. And it's like, wow, you, you're just, you have this thing, you have this idea, you're just not following through with caring about it really. And I think that's an unfortunate thing. Um, you know, that the NYPD, a lot of times they'll focus on ticketing cyclists to solve some of these problems. And like, while I do understand, and they'll sometimes be parked in the bike lane. Yeah. Doing it. Said, yeah. yeah. But it's been a few things. The cycling community That's another thing about this whole general idea is I really appreciate the cycling community of New York. It's very varied. There's a lot of interesting people involved in it, but also like there is a community and that's really cool. And I think it's important and cyclists do watch out for each other. It's another good vibe, but it's just rough when you see something like, you know, a hit and run and there's been quite a few from people that we've known and what do they, you know, you apply to, to have any kind of prosecution related to that and they either ignore you or they start ticketing cyclists. It's like, that's really crazy yeah. that someone can get away with that and that your answer to it is to penalize cyclists. It's like, clearly the cars are related here. Like maybe we should consider that. I don't know. It's yeah. just, that's my own personal like gripe with the NYPD about that enforcement level. Yeah. Like logic or whatever they're using to decide. But yeah. Have you been to Amsterdam? I have not. No, I would, I would definitely would like is... to go. Yeah. I've heard it's kind of like bike Mecca. Absolutely. Yeah. Like it's, they have it all figured out. Yeah. And it's even, um, like the lights are figured out for bikes. So it's like, sometimes it's just a bike light, like not a pedestrian, not a pedestrian or a car. Yeah. Like situation. Like there's three different lights. Yeah. They've been, you know, it's not that they're each one's moving separately, but like sometimes for traffic patterns, they, they each have their own yeah. timing. And that's the cool. thing. There's an argument going on right now. People are talking about this been, I think it's Portland legalized, um, you know, yield stops for cyclists. And there's a lot of people who strongly advocate for that because it's often much better for you to go and enter an yeah. empty intersection that's on a red light in New York to attempt to merge with cars. Yeah, exactly. All the time. Like, right. especially it's like, especially, um, like when I'm going to Soho, cause that's one problem. The other side of the Williamsburg bridge, like the Manhattan side, there's no bike lane like yeah. right there. So it's yeah. like you come out and you're just, you're just in it. You're just, just in like it. Get on like, a major highway, basically yeah, like the center of New York. Exactly. City. Yeah. And so there it's like, um, constantly you're not running a red light there because it's busy. Yeah. But when the light's changing to green, I'm, I'm always ready trying to, to beat gun the cars. it before. Exactly. You know, cause it's safer and that's yeah. the thing. And so it's cool when people understand that and are like allowing for that. And it just makes sense. You know, it's like, I don't know. It's funny though. It's like the only time I like hard hold reds, I was just on my way over here and I like pulled up next to a cop at the light and I was like, damn, I was yeah. like, you know, I'm going to hold this light. There's no way he's getting me on this easy ticket, you know? Yeah. And you never know really if they're in the mood to, to stop you or whatever. But besides that, you know, I can, I used to definitely be much more of like a little bit out there kind of crazy cyclist, but I've had a few, you know, I've seen some people get really hurt. I've yeah. had a couple close ones. I've had a couple of, you know, actual, yeah. and actual I'm, incidents. I've, and, I've had like, I've definitely had some scrapes. Like I haven't really been injured, injured. Mm -hmm. I mean, the scrapes were like significant, um, the door thing, man. Yeah. That's the worst. That's everyone's nightmare. Like I had one during the first year 
and that one was like pretty easy like i was like i bounced up immediately and i was like okay i'm fine um the woman was super rattled um as she should be but that one like i jumped up and then i was like as i was riding away i was like i should check myself in like 10 minutes yeah yeah and that one i was fine the second one was like um it must have been like around january i remember because i visited my brother like the week later and um that one man like it knocked me on my back and nothing broke you know you did a quick like assessment and you're like okay nothing's broken but i hit that thing like really hard and yeah. and it was like a, that one was like an older guy and he's super are you okay and it's like i don't know man i need a second like yeah my whole body you know what i mean like it's it made me think of uh nfl football players and some of the hits they take oh, totally. two objects yep um bigger objects usually running at high speeds the momentum colliding. yeah exactly um and this is like the door wasn't moving against me but it's an immovable right There's metal no and steel no. object like there's no give, you know? Yeah. I'm sure the door, I'm sure there's Flexed, some give, but yeah. like... You don't feel that give. You, you feel the Your hit. body yeah. is what gives. Um, and yeah, man, that... And I think I did feel some like kind of aftershocks like the week later, just sort of like weird yeah. back Feelings issues and, and just... Um, yeah. But luckily, knock on wood, yep. like it could be a lot worse. And even like the scrape that I had and that was like a couple of months ago. Um, it was like a wet ground. Yeah. Slide out thing. cornering kind of style. I don't yeah. know what, ha- I know it was on the Williamsburg bridge, Yeah, but I really don't know what happened. So I probably had a mild concussion too, because it was like that night I was like, okay. I also, you know, had one too many drinks after work and was like sleep deprived. Yeah. So that was kind of like a wake up call. Like, okay, you got to te- yeah, gotta be, take it easy. Yeah. yeah um, totally. but like, I didn't realize till the next day when I was trying to think about what happened. It's like, I really don't actually know what happened. Like, I think I might've been swerving to avoid somebody else, but I don't remember the actual thing. I remember getting up and then like you said, the community immediately, there was another biker like checking on me. Yeah. um, And I was okay. Yeah, totally. It can happen. Everything can happen so quick. Like the door thing for sure, but definitely the, you know, maneuvering and, you know, bike control and stuff. And that's another thing that's really, you know, related to the new cyclist thing and people getting into cycling. You see this a lot with city bike. It's just, there is a skill level that is kind of required to pull some of the things that people do and you can get away with it for a bit. And then some, it's going to catch up with you eventually if you don't have like, you know, solid bike handling and you're not, you know, you're going, I don't know, too fast, a little too reckless. I see it all the time with people who are, I can tell just by the way they're riding, they're a little novice and like yeah. they, pull, they pull something and, and, or, you know, what you're saying, like check yourself. I mean, it's not uncommon. Everybody definitely, you know, you go out to the bar and you ride your bike because it's not a car. You're not going to like my, you know, everyone's logic about it is you're not going to hurt somebody else. Really. You're going to hurt yourself if anybody. So at that point it's admissible. Whereas like if someone gets into a car and they're wasted, it's like, that could be that could be like four children dead. Yeah. You have no idea really what's going to happen, right? So, 
yeah, so people take risks and you got to understand what risks you're taking and you got to assess those and learn how, and that's just part of learning how to be a cyclist. It's like a long-term thing. That's why people get better over time really, yeah. which is cool, but it's something to, con- to consider. And there's a lot of really reckless, like new cyclists. A lot of people go wrong way. A lot of people, you know, you see a lot of European tourists on like city bikes going the wrong way up second Avenue. And you're like, you're like seconds away from causing a bad accident. Yeah. Like, that's, that's like, not good. I also yeah. see it on the bridge a lot yeah. um, where it's like the, the Williamsburg bridge and most of the bridges in New York um, have bike lanes Mm-hmm. And there's a designated right side and a left side. And yeah. it's like, some people don't, you can definitely it. pass, but don't just ride yeah. in random You see like, like places. dudes like, like three abreast, like talking about their yeah. weekend. You're like, this isn't the time for that, man. No. Like, this is like a highway for bikes. Like yeah. you need to be like, I'm on the highway now. Like yeah. pay attention. And there are other people riding yeah. fast in both directions. Yeah. Especially like, coming down. It's, yep. a, it's a pretty steep. So I've seen some bad racks on the Williamsburg bridge. Yeah. And there was somebody who I, I'm not totally sure what the details were but apparently um was in critical condition coming down the queensboro bridge last week and that's a tight one too that's really steep um mm. going into manhattan it's got a very tight hairpin turn and i've never been on that one on my bike yeah it's pretty rough actually because you're going very fast if and if you don't know to like start slowing down before yeah. the turn then all of a sudden you're in a blind turn yep. where you can't see who's coming like i've seen a few bad wrecks there too so again just awareness you know part of being aware of your environment your community your you know your path home your skill levels etc and kind of going back i just wanted to make a point um just because i think this is really important information to know you know you're talking about the accident like the immediate post-accident moment two things i think are really important is one like stop Mm -hmm. a lot of people just ride that adrenaline wave yeah and that's like that's good because it's your body's coping mechanism to get you out of danger. But at the same time, like you need to check yourself. You need right. to stop. I've had that happen a lot where people come wild into the shop and they're like, I just got hit by a car and their front wheels, like it's toasted and like they're bleeding outside their head. And you're yeah. like, dude, you need to sit down. You're bleeding. Do you know yeah. that? And they're like, okay, take, take a seat, take some water. Maybe you need to go see somebody like this might be a thing. And related to that, it's really important to note that New York state is one of one of very few, I think it's like six or seven states that has a no fault policy for pedestrians and cycling accidents. So if you are involved in a traffic incident related to a car in any way, you really need to stop and get their information if at all possible. Um, I know some people's circumstance don't really allow them to do that, but at the same time, like if at all possible, you really do because the way the law is, it doesn't matter if if it was 100% clearly the cyclist's fault, it doesn't go to court, it's not like a conflict or anything like that. The insurance company for the car, pays for the medical bills. That's just how it is. And it's, it's very good, honestly. And it's a resource that people need to be more aware of. And unfortunately it's a resource. Not a lot of people are that aware of, and they can often lead to intense medical debt and things yeah. like that. Cause it's like, if you go to the ER blind and you don't know what's happened to you and something serious has happened to you, like you can come out with hundreds of thousands of dollars in debt yeah. from something you had no, again, it happens in a second. You go down in a second, car door opens in a second you know you try to like force a light and you didn't see that guy coming like it all happens really quick and that can really affect a lot of your life even getting out of recovery in terms of like financial stuff and it's it's unfortunate because there are resources that's what i'm saying it's like really important to know about that yeah yeah like i didn't take the guy's information with the dooring thing um not because i didn't think that I knew he would have been at fault. Right. Um, 
it was just like an evaluation of the circumstances and I didn't want yeah it's a hassle. I don't want to hurt people like if I don't need to but on the other hand it made me think like next time if something well, that's Hopefully the fo- that that's the follow happen. up. Actually, is that it's not it's no fault on both parties. Right. So actually, the way that the uh, law works is that the technically speaking, like your insurance should not go up as the driver. Um, you should not have any penalties, any legal penalties related to that, even if it, again was your fault. Um, that gets into some gray area that I'm not super comfortable with. If it seems like in this society, we, um, you know, if, if a kid walks down the street with a baseball bat, he's carrying a deadly weapon, and yet we have people you know, barely licensed to drive like two ton objects that go extremely fast and can kill you. So to me, that's a weird discrepancy that we don't like recognize. There was that incident recently, two blocks away from the shop, a four year old was run over by a woman and she continued driving, was pulled over three blocks later. And for some reason, this is not a crime. Like, you know what I mean? Like nobody's right. It's so crazy. It's like, Oh, it was an accident. It's like, interesting. So like if I stab somebody, was that an accident? Maybe I didn't really mean to do that. You know, but no, 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 that's assault. You, you stab somebody. Okay, cool. I get that. So why isn't this, you know what I mean? Like at least something related to like manslaughter, et cetera. And like, I know it's a very stereotypical cyclist thing to have it out for drivers, but at the same time, it's like people need to take responsibility for the kind of things that they're potentially yeah, doing. I mean, when I, I get into it with cars sometimes and it's like, I've driven too. Like yeah, I was exactly. You drive driving. In the it's like, and so it's like, I have both perspectives, but it's like, sometimes like it's a lot of times like it's in Soho getting back on the bridge. Mm-hmm. There's a lot of cars and there's always like a jam up there. Yeah. Um, like I'm like, I've started taking more of a long way around just cause to avoid the dangerous. Yeah. Because yeah. the cars are crazy. There's a bunch of them. Like it's, I'm sure accidents between cars happen all the time there, but sometimes somebody will try to like, basically try to like scare me off the road or something yeah. and they're honking oh, yeah. and I'll just tell them like, cause a lot of times then we're stuck in traffic and I'll roll up alongside them. And if their windows down, it's just like, Hey man, are you trying to kill somebody tonight? Yeah. Cause I'm not trying to die out here. Like I'm trying to be safe. Like I have lights on, I'm wearing a helmet. Like yeah. don't kill me out here. Like, yeah, exactly. you know, just yeah. cause it's like people in your car. And I, I like driving too. Like the, you know, it's interesting the different ways you travel and the way your it affects mind your mind thinks. exactly. And in a car, there is something powerful. Like you're in versus a like in a bike, you're in your own world, but you're part of the world. Yeah. Whereas in, in a car, you're in your own self-contained. Right. You're in world. a bubble. You're blasting your tunes. Like yeah. AC on. All this kind of. Vibe, you're the like, boss of your world. Right. And, you know what I mean? Yeah. It's easy to lose. It puts people into it. Right. And it kind of dehumanizes people outside. Or I feel like a lot of drivers act that way. And it's funny because like, you know, you get that guy at the bar, like he's probably not yeah. an asshole, but like, whoa, he drives like one. And I've seen people try to run me off the road, mm-hmm. friends off the road. I've definitely gotten into it with drivers before and had them like follow me, threaten me. I've had friends who've, you know, like guys have gotten out of their car and be like, I'll, I'll be the little show you. It's like, whoa, out over this, over yeah. some traffic stuff. Like, really? That's yeah. your trigger? You know, like, I don't know. It's just kind of rough. And but, it's yeah. like, think about there. There's consequences for all of these things. Like those road rage things. It's like, I guarantee like the road rage thing the consequences are not worth getting like your anger out. Yeah. Like, try to prove something like, there's consequences. Like, yeah. 
Well, at least there should be. I mean, that's that's the flip. Like, there are consequences if you get out of your car and you start, like, having, you know, a fight with somebody. Yeah, I'm sure someone will step in. But it's kind of funny because I feel like other drivers are like, yeah, that's cyclist. And, you know, yeah. like you're saying, driving, though, I totally feel that. Like, I have a friend who's a lifelong cyclist. Um, his dad's been a cyclist forever. And he drives a box truck now for work. And he's like, dude, it is rough watching cyclists. Like, I know, like... Um, you know, I try to keep myself in, in line and in check, but like people really pull some crazy shit. And it's like, if you're not on your game, like you can easily kill somebody as a driver in New York, especially as a professional driver. And yeah. It's like, well, that's where yeah. like, so the floating lanes, cause that's basically yeah. what they have in, um, in Amsterdam. Right. They're just separated, you know, yeah. that's clear. It's, it takes a, it takes the equation away. It doesn't yeah. have that interaction. If that interaction never happens then the driver can't get pissed at the cyclist and the cyclist doesn't get threatened by the driver. So right. to me that you're right, exactly what you're saying. That makes perfect sense. You see that working really well at certain parts in the city. I mean, the West side bike path is awesome. Yeah. Like, I love that. I always recommend it to cyclist friends, people who aren't that comfortable with city riding. Like it's a really, the fact that you can go from Southern to Northern Manhattan on a protected lane is like, that's cool. It's yeah. very cool. I'm yeah. really into that. Yeah. Yeah. I might have to take that, that long way. Oh, it's fun. Point. Yeah. Um, you go all the way uptown and like, you can get uptown pretty quick too. And it's like, you know, and it's a really nice ride, plenty of cool places to stop really beautiful in the summer and the fall, especially cause you can see across to Jersey and like all those leaves go in the fall. Like that's one of my favorite times to go up there. It's definitely a recommended route. It's cool. Yeah. Where are you from originally? Um, well, I was actually born in Queens. My dad was working here at the time, but we moved when I was six. Um, so I grew up in Maui, Hawaii, actually. Nice. Um, which is funny because it's not, when I was growing up there, it was not a cycling culture at all. So everyone, you know, people I know are assumed like, oh yeah, like hardcore cyclists. Like I got into cycling kind of accidentally when I was like 19 or 20. Um, but you know, totally different outdoors. You know, I was always outdoors. Um, my dad uh, is involved with like marine science and a scuba diver. So I learned how to dive when I was like five years old. So that was pretty much what I did. Yeah. Most of my life was like scuba diving. Yeah. But out here, it's possible. I just don't have gear and like it's a schlep to get down somewhere that would actually be fun to dive. Right. And I don't have time. I'd love to, but you know. Yeah. So if you went on a trip though somewhere. Oh yeah, I would um, definitely. And you have your certification yeah i would like rent equipment or something anywhere tropical that's the other thing i'm kind of a weenie because i grew up in hawaii with the water temperature thing it's like (laughs) i'm used to some nice warm you know warm coast but like i have friends who dive for instance like off off in seattle and they're like you know full dry suits all year even in the summer i'm like oh it's that water is (laughs) freezing (laughs) yeah i try to explain that to people um because you have the lake on one side the lake's fine but the Puget Sound is ice cold. Yeah. Like, and I'm talking like... Like ice. Like there's yeah. ice in it. And, yeah. you know, I've been... There's like Glacier Lake for Mount um, Mount Baker. Mm-hmm. Um, I've been in that water, which is straight up glacier water. Mm-hmm. Um, and that's cold. Puget Sound feels just Colder. like that. Like, yeah. it's crazy. Like... I think it's the currents. There's like a very strong, you know, nutrient current that goes down from the Arctic. It pulls yeah. a lot of like plankton and stuff down through there. It's why there's so many yeah. like, feet, you know. And all the, like all the mountains, rivers are coming down. Yep. Mm. Yeah. yeah. But beautiful, you know. Yeah. Totally beautiful other side of the world. But I have been in a dry suit also. Yeah. Um, in that. And it's, it's crazy. Yeah. Like it's, 
Because it's cold, but because you have, like, you wear, like, warm clothes. Yeah, it's like you wear, like, wool, and then you get in a dry suit, and it's like, you know, people, it's like waterproof. That's the, you know, so, yeah, that's the only way to do that, is to put a barrier between you and the water. Yeah. Yeah, it's a weird feeling, though. Super weird. Yeah, it feels like you're in, like, a vacuum bag. You're like, uh, yeah, it's kind of crunched a little. It's, like, spooky, also. Yeah. Um, Because a lot of that water is, like dark also like that's the other thing yeah. about like the ocean scuba diving <laughs> there in particular like it's like open water mysteries of yeah the world. it's like yeah. Ah. and there's like a myth actually um so vancouver island um gonna try to remember the name of this but like yeah like so the strait of Juan de Fuga is kind of the big strait that goes from like seattle um the San Juan Islands are kind of on the side of it. And then it goes up to like Victoria and Vancouver Island. Mm -hmm. And then the Strait of Georgia goes out to the Pacific ocean. Um, so these are big, big, vast, um, straits is what they call them. And, um, like it's not uncommon for there, there to be like gale type winds um, in there. And, uh, up like near Victoria, somebody claimed some years back that they saw like a Loch Ness monster type thing. Yeah. And they called it like the, I think it was the Cadbriosaurus cause there was something called Cadbrio Bay. Mm-hmm. Um, so there was some myth that there was some, some still ancient, ancient dinosaurs, dinosaur swimming yeah. out there. And like, yeah, I spent a lot of time like on, on a boat, like on going from like Seattle to Victoria, like on a sailboat and like, it's spooky, man. It's very spooky. Like, yeah. especially, like, when I was little, like, me and my brother would be in, like, a dinghy pulled behind the boat. Yeah. And it's fun. But it's also spooky. Yeah, but yeah. it's also spooky. You yeah. see wh- whales, if you saw whales, that would be cool. Yeah. And also sometimes... Whales like, are eerie, though. I've come yeah. up on them on a dive before, and it's, like, I mean, it's awe-inspiring, but at the same time, like, you have this moment of, like, that thing is so yeah, like it's so big. We have humpback whales that come down from you know the Arctic um, to Hawaii in the winters, so we have a good a good whale season. It's like four to five months, um, and they're everywhere. It's really cool. You can hear them because yeah. their sound travels so well. Anytime you're you even stick your head in the water, like at the beach, you can hear them. It's really cool. Um, but yeah, I mean, first time I saw one within you know ten feet of me, I was like. You yeah. know, like that it's spooky just by knowing the power of that animal, yeah. you know, like they're not, obviously they're not violent, but it's like, if they just like kind of rolled into you, like that'd probably kill you. <laughs> like that's it, you know? Yeah. yeah. It's funny, but yeah, I don't know. The ocean. Did you uh, surf at all? Growing yeah. Up? I grew up surfing. I mean, a lot of my friends were much more into it. It's people always ask me that. They're like from Hawaii, you surf like that. So, you know, it's the kind of thing you grow up doing and everyone like kind of has a, a reasonable, passable like ability mm-hmm. and cause it's very social and right. that's kind of the fun thing. It's like everyone goes to the beach. That's like what you do. Yeah. Right. So like get out of school in high school, we'd like hit the beach. If I wasn't working after work, you know, after school, I'd like go to the beach Yeah. and that's fun. Um, people hang out, you know, drinking, smoking, whatever, chilling. And that's part of the vibe. You're like out on the wave, you catch, you know, out on the ocean, on the break, you catch like two, three waves and you hang out for like two hours. Maybe you're not like hardcore surfing. And then there's guys who are like, they're there every morning at five in the morning. And they're like really hitting that break before work. And like my little brother is kind of like that. He's really into, really into surfing, um, really into, 
diving of all kinds too. So he's, and he still lives out there. So he's like really hardcore on that. He lives like right by the break. So he can go out at like five in the morning, which is, you know, I just wasn't like particularly that crazy about it, but at the same time, it's a really fun way to interact again with like your environment, people around you, like keeps you in touch with what's going on really. And like, it's really fun and a really beautiful thing to do. And it's very, very calming in a certain way yeah. too, which is kind of amazing. I've only done feeling. it once. Um, and it was in Costa Rica and it was great because I was most of the time was in, um, the rainforest. Mm-hmm. And when you like, when I was going, I, you look on a map and it looks like, Oh, this isn't too far, but it's like the roads to get places. It's <laughs> not that easy. Yeah. Um, so it takes a lot, longer like as soon as i got to the place in the room it's like yeah i was thinking about heading over there they're like no that's like an overnight yeah that's a day (laughs) you know you're not gonna want to drive back like after going all the way over there um but there was a hurricane and so my flight got canceled and so that was it was kind of a nightmare for a second because they were at first somehow when i booked um i booked the ticket like on orbits or one of those Mm -hmm. And it's the only time this has ever happened. I got bumped up to business class for Mm -hmm. like the return trip. So not the trip down there. It was going to be the return trip. So then when my flight got canceled, there weren't any representatives. And there were representatives for the airline in the airport. And it was like Costa Rican air. Right. But you had to call a number. Right. And bureaucratic and your like the international i had some kind of international but it was still like super expensive and i'm like on hold and they were trying to tell me i had to be there for like a month yeah because that was the only time they had business class and like you're like i'll take anything yeah and they're like well you have business like it was like crazy because they were saying because it was business class it had to stay business class yeah it doesn't make any sense um (laughs) you're like i can't be down here no that's not happening yeah um like if I had no worries and I had no financial yeah. fucking responsibilities or, or, you know, or limits or, or yeah. if I had the, like just bags of money, like to wear, like whatever. Yeah. Yeah. That would have been great. Um, but that wasn't the case. Yeah. Like I had to get back up to New York and get back to work. But, um, but so then it ended up, I think I had two or three extra days. And so I was like, all right, now I'm going to go over to the, to the Nicoya Peninsula and like check it out. Yeah. And so I did and like just like took like a surf lesson and like, but during it, um, did catch a wave. And it was like it's standing up on a wave. And it wasn't like a huge wave or anything, but you know, stood up on the surfboard, yeah. rode, rode a wave. And like, the feeling of it like it was like oh i see why people get into this because it's like there are other things that are like exhilarating but something about surfing it's like it it is exhilarating but it's also you feel kind of like i was saying with biking like you feel like you're connected to the ocean yeah you know what i mean like you're not you're not like thinking you're better than the ocean you're not thinking you're the like you're like no i'm part of this in this moment right because you're literally riding something that's happening without you exactly it's like the wave is just happening so you can get on it or not yeah and it's not you you're not like driving this you're not making it happen it's not like you know that's like a very like 
human power kind of trip thing, but it's like, no, 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 you're, this is a big system that exists in this massive scale without you. And like, you can get in there if you want and get a place there. And that's another thing. It's like, it's cool to feel that amount of comfort and like, like you're vibing with the ocean because the ocean is so weird for humans really. You know what I mean? It's like definitely not our environment clearly. I mean like interacting with the ocean. Sure. But like, you can tell like we're just not you look at like a like a shark or something that's yeah. like an apex ocean predator you're like we are so clumsy by comparison yeah. you know you like seals all that kind of stuff the way they interact with the ocean their ease and etc um which and, is cool and we came out of it right but it's like but right. we did make but, the choice to come out of it so right. it's like there's something familiar about it yeah but also it's like a, a reckon yeah haunting and like scary in a way like even I remember that going up to that class because I think it was like right after the hurricane hit. So there were still like, like walking up. It's like, is this safe to go in? Like, is this <laughs> like, that's a good break. Is this normal? Yeah. And they're like, yeah, this is good. Yeah. Like, um, yeah, it's cool. Yeah. Um, so where's the best place for people, um, to find Haven cycles like online and stuff? Um, we have a website. It's like, you know, it's okay. <laughs> Definitely something I should spend more time on. We're trying to do that more, actually put like more information, just general, like, this is what we think about this, like guide to, you know, frequently asked questions, all that kind of stuff. Cause a lot of people, it's good to get a little bit of input. A lot of people make some decisions when they're buying bikes for the first time or getting involved in it that you maybe shouldn't like, it's not the best idea. You know, often this will happen all the time. People to buy something that's just like so cheap and it's like, that'll work for a little bit, you know, but right. at the same but if it's time, breaking all the time, you're going to, yeah, you're going to end up spending way more money. It's going to be uncomfortable for you. You're going to have this hassle. It's going to feel like biking sucks. Like you always have a problem, you know, it's like, that's not good. Um, so yeah, we're trying to do that. So we have a website, Haven cycles. Um, and Is that com yeah, or? I think it's com. And, uh, we also have Instagram. We post on that more frequently, try to keep people updated. If there's anything going on, um, like I said, we just moved, so we've been processing that still, kind of still working on the space a lot, but we're excited because that's kind of one of our goals is just to make it like a solid resource for cycling in the city and to have it for a long-term period of time and kind of develop that. So we're sort of working on that at the moment. We want to do some you know, more class-related stuff, maybe even some like talks, etc. try to get people who are into niche things in cycling or just like a general like, hey, like this is a good intro to cycling. Like we know some people who teach kids in the neighborhood how to ride bikes. Like that's really awesome. Mayday Space has started to do that program and like we really like that. We really support support them doing that. Um, so yeah, just trying to find ways to involve like the community is really the long-term goal for us and just to like be part of the community instead of like you know, a bike shop's good because it, like we were talking about, it involves everybody. That's really awesome. But like, I feel like a lot of places kind of pop up in the neighborhood at the moment, and like, they just it just doesn't seem right. You know what I mean? Just doesn't quite kind of fit at least for a while. Maybe when they're new and et cetera. And it's just kind of unfortunate. I feel like when people come into something, they don't want to be part of what's going on. They want right. like a, their own thing. It's like, that's cool. And that's an interesting part of Brooklyn that you can have like a canvas to do what you want to do. But at the same time, like there's a lot going on, um, whether you really are aware of it or not in your immediate area. And it's like, it's, I think it's important to plug that's into that. The thing I think that I feel like, I, like 
Bushwick, I've been here almost the whole time I've been in New York, and it's like it's gonna be ten years this summer, and I think mm-hmm. I've been in Bushwick then for nine. And it's um one of the things I've always loved about it is there's something about it here and I like it's changed a lot from when I moved here, and I know it changed a lot before I got here, but I think there is something about where it's located, um and the history of the place that it's not that it like not that it won't change over time Mm -hmm. but versus a lot of other neighborhoods in new york i feel like it's there are things that are not going to change about this anytime soon it's got a clear character yeah so it's like you can come in here and you can like start businesses and stuff like that but it's not a place i think that's easy for people to come in and just completely make the neighborhood the way they want. Yeah. Like if you want to come in and start something as a part of the neighborhood, right. You You'll can get definitely more do success. It. Too. Yeah. yeah. But if totally. you're trying to like change the way everything, if you're trying to change the entire culture of the place, like that's not going to happen. Like, right. you know what I mean? Like you being here, you're going to add to it. Like that's how you can change it, but you're not going to like, you're not going to change like just the culture of it, yeah. like the, the rhythm of it, the, I don't know. Like there's like a strong character to the place. Yeah, know? definitely. It's one of those places I feel like if you like, if you got like blindfolded and just like, Oop, like hood off, like I would just immediately know I was in, I was in Bushwick. It's like, I've pretty much lived here the whole time I've been in New York too. Um, this year is going to be like eight years. So, that's pretty good. But yeah, it's just, and that's the other thing too. It like makes you feel like you are a part of it or like you want to be kind of like, yeah. I know some people don't vibe with it, but I've always for one re- sort of by chance at first, but then for one reason or another, like I usually will be like, yeah, I really like being in Bushwick. Like it makes sense to me. And I like seeing what's going on. I like being part of the community. I think it's cool that you, you know, people are kind of doing their own thing, but at the same time, like there's a lot of weird, cool things going on. You'll go around the corner and see some like, you know, we have this, these Puerto Rican guys around the corner from us who are always like working on cars and making like different like body shapes for them. And I was like hanging out, talking to them. I was like, yeah, it's like shaping. Like it's kind of like surfboards. Yeah. And, but you know, they're, they're into it and they're just like doing this crazy, like shaping work on the street corner. And you're right. like, damn, you guys are like really hard on this. And like, that's like, like I mean, like if somebody thing, came in yeah. like, um, and like people do things, people just grill out. Like there's yeah. things that people just, and it's like everybody. So it's like, as an artist, you can come here and just fucking make just your get art. on there. Yeah. Now, if you're somebody who comes from somewhere else and you want to move, yeah, you want it to be more hoity toity. Like, why be... is he making a mess on the corner? Yeah. It's like, you know what? Maybe you shouldn't be talking yeah. about that right now. Maybe this isn't your your deal. Exactly. You know? This isn't this isn't Connecticut. I'm sorry. Like, yeah. Connecticut. I'm sure it's great. Go back there. I don't know. Yeah. You know, not to be like that, but some people. Yeah, exactly. Like people need to be more open to what's happening, and I think that also I think Bushwick attracts people like that, which is yeah. good. You know, like that's kind of the thing. It's like more uptight people I feel like at least up till recently you know more recently have kind of been like oh I don't want to move there because it's like rats it's like yeah there's yeah. rats there's rats everywhere in New York like you just aren't aware of them well like, being a like being a biker like it makes me um like with the L train shutting down yeah I'm actually like selfishly like also just like please like let the rents like yeah, like, that would be nice. Yeah, you know, settle down and then also like not attract. Well, it's I mean everything's exactly. going really crazy like, let's right make now. It, 
like I'm like yes yeah um, maybe maybe actually like I know I'm doing this podcast and stuff but you know maybe maybe this is too dangerous for some people <laughs> like right like, you know what I mean out. yeah um, but no but really like it's it's a great place man I love it and I I just don't want to get pushed out you know by the rent at some someday yeah know? and I think it's important to pay attention to what's happening with you on that level I feel that's one thing I feel like people kind of struggle independently to keep their stuff rolling and they're like, Oh yeah, I'm getting pushed out. It's like you are. And so is the guy next to you. Like that's the yeah. important thing. You got to look at what's going on and always the times I've seen things work out in terms of pushing back against like unreasonable landlord related stuff, et cetera. It's like, it's community. It's talk. You got to talk to people in, in your immediate area. I don't care if you're uncomfortable about it. Like that's the reasonable, like, ethical way honestly to to kind of coexist with people it's like why not coexist with people instead of just be in your own la-di-da world and be like oh woe is me like i'm getting kicked out of my apartment it's like you and the guy downstairs and the guy downstairs from them so why don't you all talk you know what i mean like yeah. that's kind of i don't know i feel like people should try to bridge that guy and again going back way back in conversation the phones thing like everyone's so disconnected you know i like that the community kind of also pulls you out of that and that's good and it's important to do that it's important to have more like localized interaction other than just being on social media all the time which i feel like some people you know you go to manhattan and it's just like you go to yeah. a coffee shop everyone's on a phone you're like whoa that's so weird yeah yeah yep yeah um well is there anything else you want to talk about um not really i mean you know i if anyone's interested, encourage anyone who wants to to come in. Really, um, our main thing is to make it. It's kind of a joke, and it's one of those things that um, kind of just name the shop sort of randomly, but we really do want to make it a haven. We want to make it something that people are comfortable coming in. People want to feel like they can get the service they need. They'll be dealt with respectfully, reasonably. A lot of bike shops don't have that culture or historically haven't had that culture. There's a lot of like bro-y vibe to racing and all this kind of stuff. It's like, I'm just, not that that doesn't have its own place and like racing culture is interesting sometimes, but you know, that's just not really what we're about. We really want people to be riding bikes for whatever reason, you know, comfort, um, leisure, commuting, work. We have a lot of people who come in who use the bike for work and I think that's really cool and that adds a lot to the shop. So, yeah, I think that if anyone's, like, tepid about coming in, like, yeah, come by, you know, you just say hi, get some air or something, like, we try to make it as not, you know, not pushy, and we try to make it, like, an open place to come, and that's kind of what we want, and we want to be around for a while and kind of keep that going. Yeah, well, when you guys were moving, I was sad because it was, like, two blocks from my house, yeah. and then when you moved, where you were moving to was, like four blocks or five blocks right. and it was like all right and i i still go to you guys man you guys do great work totally. Thank um you. so i 100 percent co-sign everything you said and i think that's like a that's that is one of the things is i've never felt like you guys were pushy at all just super helpful yeah um knowledgeable and yeah just cool yeah. you know it's a it's a worthwhile thing. I think pushing for cycling in New York is a worthwhile thing to do with your time. So that's I guess that's why I'm doing it. I also think it's um, just on that in general, like whatever it is, whether it's like business or art or kind of any endeavor, um, 
you know, our culture, like at large pushes a lot of like competition. Mm -hmm. And I think, you know, of course there's like a healthy, like it's healthy to be a little bit competitive for sure, but it doesn't have to be dog eat dog. Um, and also sometimes being competitive can mean being kind and being like putting like, you know what I mean? Being more kind and just helpful, um, is competitive, like genuinely. Yeah. Uh, That's the other thing. It's like, you know, on a real talk business side, I just knew that that is a way that'll work. Cause it's like, Hey, if you are good to people, then like, they'll think you're good to them and they'll come back. Right. Like, that's what I do. If I go somewhere, you know, if I go to like a bar or something, I know people who work there. I'm like, Oh, these people like are chill. I have a good time. And like, I'll go back. Right. So like that model works really well with everything. And exactly what you're saying. Everyone's pushed so hard to, you know, like the money thing. It's like, everyone's got their eye on the money. Everyone's got their hustle. It's like, that's cool. And I definitely respect that. Um, the amount of work that people put into those kind of things. But at the same time, it's like, you don't have to do that. You know, like you can, you can kind of take a step back and relax and just not compromise. That's really my thing. It's just like, I don't want to compromise on, on anything. I don't it's have like, to. It's uh, like so. going for the sale, like um, yeah. selling the more expensive thing just at any cost and not listening to like, you know, the more expensive thing that might be right for one person, but somebody else, it really might not make sense. And there might be an affordable option that'll be really like, that'll be the right option for them. Um, and like, and selling them, that or like, you know, giving the information on yeah, what the, the Im- options are. And just are. not writing people off. That's the thing. Yeah. Like, like this is kind of a joke that we have in the shop and it's, you know, it goes both ways, but people come in all the time. They're like, do you have a bike for a hundred dollars? It's like, honestly, that's not a possibility. Like you can't really run a business and provide hundred dollar bikes that we also like guarantee. Like it's definitely going to work. You know, I'm not going to warranty something like that. So right. I'd rather just not get involved with that. So we don't. But at the same time, like people come in and ask that, like we tell them the truth to be like, yeah, you can get a bike for a hundred dollars. You got to look a little bit, you know, you got to get on Craigslist. You got to talk to some people and find a bike, find a deal. Maybe need some work, come back in. And like, that's people are often like taken aback. They're like, you're not trying to sell me something like, no, you told me your budgets at most 150. I can't do it. So here's the information you need. And yeah. like people are, you know, receptive to that. And I think that's the right, right thing to do. Yeah, if you try to push. And maybe they out. will get a bike in, yeah. in 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 decent shape, and then you they'll know, come to you for come to you guys Yeah, and, exactly. Yeah, yeah. and I mean, then get it, in, and then it'll be in great shape, and then yeah. it's like, yeah, cool. yeah, you make something happen with people, and that's always fun too. I really like when I really like doing projects with people. I really like when people have specific requests. Sometimes you're like, that's a little weird, but I like that you know what you like. I guess you know, like. You get into it with people. Um, it's really varied. Also, working on bikes is never quite the same every time. So, it's another thing I really appreciate. The rack I like had put on those like a, I don't know why, but that day just all of a sudden like the brake pads and then, I don't know though. It's just one of those. Yeah, you think things. about it and like what what could I add? That's the other thing about being in a bike shop. That's cool. It does open up these cyclists. You see other people's bikes. You talk to other people who are just customers. You see the shop you see oh whoa i didn't know you could do that you know and then like yeah like a rack like oh i could carry groceries easier i don't have to have this on my back like yeah getting your bag off your back in the summer is a big deal like that really for a lot of people who aren't comfortable like that gives you more comfort now you feel like you're not constricted you're not sweaty you don't show up looking like you just ran a marathon when you're trying to go to work you know like all those things are important to make cycling like 
a more viable option for people in terms of commuting. It's like, find the things that can make you comfortable. Don't just settle for, oh yeah, like the front brake works like 50% of the time. And like, I always have to carry this. It's like, we can make it better. Like right. we definitely can make it better. You know, let's just get some information. And that's the other thing with repairs and stuff. Um, just as a mechanic, like I always tell people like, get the information. And you're like, oh yeah, it's had this problem for like six months. Like maybe now we can't fix it because you left it for six months. And maybe you don't have to, like, I'm not saying you have to put down the money and be like, yep, I, you know, I can fix it now. Maybe you can't. I totally understand that. Definitely been there myself, but like you should know what's going on because it may be a safety issue. You should get all the information possible and a shop should be there to help you just in general. Like we definitely try to do that, but I think that should be something that Shops should care yeah. about people's safety and people's like usage of the bike. And the roads are rough in New York, so if you do get into biking, there is like one of the best things to do is kind of keep an eye on it and maintain it. Yeah. Um, yeah, exactly. But like if you think about even like the cost of that versus a metro a subway card. Car. Yeah, that's exactly. always what we use. I'm like, you know, a metro card, it's 130 a month. So you're telling me that you've had this bike for six years, you've never put any money into it and you use it every day. Sounds like paying $90 to do a full overhaul is not that bad. You yeah. know, like I think that sounds pretty reasonable. It's and less get, in, get in shape, man. Get in yeah. shape, go to work. You know, it's a healthy. It's like, healthy. It really, that's it too. It, like, it really adds to people. I love seeing that. I love when that happens. When someone's like, Man, I just feel like I can like do other shit now. I was like, yeah, you can, cause you got fit. Cause I started. Jo- like I that. joined. Uh, there's a new martial arts school in the neighborhood, mm-hmm. um, and it's because, like, kind of it all like biking and everything all came, like at at the same time. Sort of like, man, I need to get in better shape. So like biking regularly helped, and then now that that's it, it's like okay, now I want to go further. Right. Yeah. Um, and it doesn't like the martial arts. Jiu-jitsu and it's like it's fucking hard so it's not like it's easy and it's like every time getting on the Williamsburg Bridge like the hill the hard part every time you get on that bridge you gotta go up a hill yeah um good thing is it's always the first half yeah yeah um so you forget about it but when you're on it like every time it's not that it ever gets easy right there are days also where it's like you're more tired and it's harder but But it's good, man. I think it's... Yeah, it's good, good to have a little bit of struggle in your life. Absolutely. And to rise against it, basically. Absolutely. You know? Yeah. that's. I think that's important. It's important to challenge yourself. doesn't matter what you're doing. I think the most successful people I know will definitely say that. And I think it's... It's it's cool when you take something that seems unrelated. Like, you're going to work, right? Okay, how are you going to get to work? I'll get a bike. Cool. All of a sudden, you're opening up physicality you're opening up a little bit of like a mental struggle and like negotiating the neighborhood and learning about landmarks and like the visual um slash just like spatial intelligence of understanding the city better it's like that's another cool thing it's just open so many doors and sometimes things you never expect and also you meet people like that's another thing that's the cool thing about new york in general that's one of the things i absolutely love about new york and always has drawn me back to this kind of a situation but the people like there's always the possibility is like so endless like you have no idea what's going to happen you can just like you know trip and fall and someone goes to pick you up and you meet somebody and that changes your life done you know like and that happens here i feel like more than anywhere in my at least in my experience and people i know and it's like 
cycling adds to that. It adds more variety. It adds more like interesting flavor. And that's like, why would you live in New York versus somewhere else? Like, yeah. that's why the New York part, you know? So if you're in the subways every day, tunneling tunnel vision, that's what I call it, like to work, like you're missing it. You're really missing it. Like get out there and see it. That's it. You know? So, yeah. I don't know. I think that's a good takeaway. Yeah. Absolutely. Well, I think that's a pretty good spot. Um, do you have any final thoughts? No, I think I'm good with that. Cool. Well, thank you very much. No problem. Thank you for having me. Yeah. So that was my conversation with John Gorman from Haven Cycles here in Bushwick, Brooklyn. Um, I hope you enjoyed listening to that. I had a great time talking with him. And like I said, I really love their bike shop. Um, that's on DeKalb and Irving in Bushwick, Brooklyn, right by Maria Hernandez Park. Um, if you're thinking about getting a bike, that's a great spot um, for repairs, for finding a bike, for all things bike. Um, check them out on Instagram. The show notes and everything and the links for them will be in the show notes for this episode. And you can find the show notes for this episode and all episodes on BushwickVarietyShow.com. Or if you click on the icon on whatever service you're listening to podcast through, you can find the show notes there. Thank you very much for listening. Um, I'll be back here on Thursday. And if you enjoy what you're hearing so far, please uh, share, subscribe. Um, If you really love it, give it a rating or a review. But uh, just keep listening and let me know uh, what, what you like what you want to hear more of and just uh, keep listening. And I appreciate your ears so far. Um, Thank you very much. Do your thing, find your thing, find your people and do it. Share it with the world. It's important. Um, Thank you very much. Have a good one. And I'll talk to you soon. Peace. (laughs)